Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. And the next thing is the doctor, the head of x-ray, and another guy stood at my bedside and said, we need you to sign this. You need to have surgery now. Hi, Carling. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Happy Tuesday. All right. (laughs) That's where I am. I can never say happy Tuesday because maybe it's not. We don't know. We don't know. That's awfully presumptuous (laughs) of me. Um, How are you? I am great. How are you? Fine. I'm trying to think when I saw you last. Um, Last weekend, I think. When we recorded. We recorded, and then you and the kiddos came over to Lindsay's house. Oh, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Mm, We should do that again. Yeah. Tonight. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's Tuesday. How's your weekend? Um, Okay, no. It's not. It's Tuesday you're listening. It's Sunday that we're recording. It's Sunday. My weekend is fine. Typical. Spent it, like, trying to clean, but it obviously didn't make a difference, and... Couldn't really go anywhere because it was super smoky It's outside. so smoky and there's a heat warning. Yeah, it was like 35 degrees and super smoky. So we stayed inside and yeah. that's about it. Pretty yeah, lame. I feel like my voice is real raspy yeah. because of the smoke. Yeah. How are you? I am fine. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. I what was like I going to tell you? you have some grievances or something. Do I? <laughs> I got some grievances for you. No, but I have reason to believe I have an injury. Right. And I don't know if it's a hernia. Yeah. I The other day I accidentally said hemorrhoid. <laughs> I can assure you. You would know if you had one of those. It is not a hemorrhoid. <laughs> so I don't know if there's any doctor or sports medicine professional listening mm-hmm. But, like, if you take the center of your abdomen, Mm -hmm. maybe, like, three inches down from my boobs, Mm -hmm. and then over to the right a few inches, there's, like, I don't know, like a two or three inch burning ring of fire. (laughs) And it's every time I bend down. Yeah, that's not good. And at first I thought it was because I'm on the heftier side currently. And so I was like, oh, like me, I don't know, maybe my pack, my fat pinched itself, <laughs> but it just kept happening and it doesn't matter how I do it. It just hurts so bad. It's not good. I'm so sorry. So Lindsay was like, I'm pretty sure it's a hernia. And I was like, okay, you Dr. don't know Lindsay. what you're talking about. <laughs> and then she Googled hernia and I have all the symptoms mm-hmm. except for there's not a big bulge. Mm-hmm. So I guess a hernia is when you're like muscle splits open and your organs protrude that's so gross so gross the only experience i have with knowing what a hernia is is uh from friends joey had a hernia. yeah that's what i feel like <laughs> i suddenly am seeing that episode in a whole new yeah. light because it's bernie it yeah. hurts and so i went to the doctor you should have named it bernie bernie the hernie (laughs) okay that's his new name bernie the hernie and he was like i don't know he's like i don't think it's a hernia and then he's and you're like like, sir my girlfriend diagnosed me okay (laughs) i don't know if you're familiar with web md you're not the only expert in this town and so it's got like a little bump but it's not like a bulge well maybe that's just the beginning of it i know that's what i wonder yeah and or maybe you just have a little tiny Bernie Herney. I just, <laughs> he's just a, a mini big, Bernie Herney. <laughs> I've got a mini Bernie Herney, and my concern is that he's going to grow to be a big Bernie Herney. Yeah, hefty Bernie Herney. <laughs> big and hefty Bernie Herney. So I don't know. I He was like, I think we should just like give it some time. Mm-hmm. He said I can still work out. Okay. I mean, maybe I need to see his medical license. <laughs> He was just in a van on the corner on the side of the road. 
But he... And did and, it say free hernia exams on yes. the sign? <laughs> it said hemorrhoid, but I went in and asked him about my hernia. <laughs> okay, we made a few missteps here, Oh, I think. no. No, and so he's like, let's get some blood work done. But I was like, you know, well, you know when there's something, when it's like an organ hurting yeah. versus when it's like just below the surface versus when it's like a cut, like a surface yeah, injury. Yeah. Like if you cut yourself on the stomach, you would know that it's not your stomach. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. And so it just feels like it's just below the surface and it hurts a lot. This is a great segue into what our episode is about. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> As you were saying that, I'm like, this sounds familiar. Okay, well, hold up, hold up. I have some other really big news. Okay, tell me. I got an email the other day that my therapist is back. (gasps) She's back. Back. So for those of you who are like, who cares? What is she talking about? Uh, My therapist, Megan, who I love and talk about so dearly, um, had... She was pregnant with twins, and she unfortunately had to deliver at 24 weeks. Crazy. And so, like, from what I've heard, that they're okay. They oh, are, They survived. Yeah. Um, but that's all I know. Mm-hmm. And so her original due date, I don't know, was, like, the end of May, and then she was going to come back in September. Right. But she stuck with that, and she's coming back at the end of September. Wow. And so... Is she going to have the twins with her? Is she just going to wear them? I hope so. I, I hope, hope so. it's an option to wear them during my therapy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have a little baby on you? Yeah. That would be the ultimate therapy yeah. session. Like a dog by my feet, yes. a baby on my chest. Yes. Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I know. That's so she was exciting. like, you normally book an hour and a half. Do you still want that? And I was like, like, like three hours, I was like, girl, please. can we just book out the day? Because I have some questions. <laughs> like, when you, it's so hard when you, like, connect with a therapist yes because now i want to be her bff i want to go for drinks maybe coffee definitely crosses a line (laughs) i know it crosses a line but like she's so nice yeah totally. and so you like connect with this person which is why she gets you yeah she's nice and she's like that's how she gets all of her patients yeah just by being nice and Uh, connecting (laughs) and so but then she like had to go away unexpectedly and so there's just a sense of like Girl, you okay? What's going on? But like, I can't. How are your babies? Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't add her to Facebook. I know no. that's not appropriate. No, I've you thought just about follow it. Her. <laughs> <laughs> just in the streets. And then would she come and visit me in the correctional facility? Yeah, probably. In? Anyway, that's my big news. Well, that's I'm exciting. Real stoked because yeah. I've seen a few other therapists like tested them out. Mm-hmm. Just None not a big connection. Nothing compares to you. <laughs> I might serenade her on our, my I first day back. I think you should. <laughs> anyway, we're super pro therapy over here Absolutely. on the podcast. And yeah, it's like really hard when your therapist goes away. I know. <laughs> yeah. We should talk so, about that. You did not sign up for that. that yeah. That could be a whole episode. Yeah. So, your therapist leaves you. <laughs> yeah. The last time I saw her, Talk Lindsay, about abandonment issues. <laughs> I think it was like in... January or February. Yeah. Because I had you just, just chatting met Lindsay. about Lindsay to her. Yeah. And she was so excited mm-hmm. and she was so stoked and so supportive. Yep. Now she's going to wonder. I know. Maybe I... she hasn't thought about me. I don't know. If you're a therapist, do you think about your patients when you're off? I don't know. I like to think that she does. Do you think about us? <laughs> um, well, but, that's exciting. Yeah. What else is new? Work is busy. COVID's just running rampant through oh, the city. God. No, it's not. Well, according to our government, it's not. <sighs> yeah. But science ramping up again. otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to record a new episode. So like the, the last episode of August mm-hmm. is going to be a life update with yep. you and I, obviously. And we don't want to know what anyone else's life. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about like going back to school, mm-hmm. my hiking trip. Like what's My going on? summer where we did nothing. Well, <laughs> I was trying. I feel like we did so much more last summer, or I was here so much. You were here, and much I was more. trying to think it, what it was. It was because I didn't have a job. And neither, and I was off. You were off. Yeah. I got laid off. The yeah. kids were out of school because yeah. of COVID. Playgrounds were shut down. Yeah. So that's why we had such a fun summer. I know it was great. And I was like, God, why aren't I there yeah, more? Because we were s- stupid work. Stupid work. Rated, but I do love my job. Yes, I do like my job, too. That's what's annoying, is I love my job. I just need more hours in a day. 
Um, I was saying we were kind of all talking about how much we love our job and we love our coworkers, but our job would be much better if there were no customers. It <laughs> 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 would be an even better place to work Your if you did not have any customers. Your job is literally serving customers. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, so probably not going to happen, but. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, and what else? You guys, we have a Patreon. Yes, we do. And if you're like, I'm sorry, what? Or who? if after these episodes you always find yourself wanting more, mm-hmm. you can sign up for $5 a month. And how many episodes is it now? Like 37? It's over 30. 30. I think it's like 37. Yeah, it's a lot. You get instant access to 37 episodes that you will have never heard before because they're only on the Patreon. Exclusive. Yeah. And we it's kind of like, what's the term? No holds barred? Yeah, totally. I don't really know what that means. We don't hold any bars. <laughs> We're not holding bars over there. We're spitting bars. Yeah. We, what? Wait. Like like a rap battle. Like you're spitting oh, bars. Oh, <laughs> I see. I see what you're doing. They understood yeah. me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so you get sort of like unfiltered, uncensored, crazy mm-hmm. stories. We often do. Well, I would say we often do. We've only done it once. We did a poll where we asked what people wanted to hear next. Yeah. And then we did that. Oh, we should do a poll for our next true crime and see have yeah. two true crimes mm-hmm. and see what people are down for. Yeah. Um, and we... So we're interviewing... May my... have been threatened recently, and we may have talked about that on our recent, most recent episode. Yeah. We've been... Allegedly. Allegedly, we may have been <laughs> or may not have been threatened with yeah. legal action. Yeah. Anywho. So go to patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this. Also... <laughs> and literally sign up for it. And literally sign up for it. Uh, also, we are doing pre-orders on our notebooks. Yeah. So, gosh darn, we have cute. an Etsy page, and we are we're doing pre-orders. So get on over there and order them. Yeah, we're closing pre-orders at the end of August. Um. Yes. Well, like in the next two weeks. Yeah, in the next two weeks. So uh, after that, they'll probably be done. Like it's kind of a short term. We'll see. Yeah, we just want to see people were asking about them. Like, you made some for us, and people said they wanted them, so that's what we're doing. Yeah. And so, so they're can, on our Etsy page, and we also... How can they find our Etsy page? Um, go to Etsy.com, and then I did not sign up for this, or it's linked in our bio on Instagram. Oh, okay. That's good. I didn't even know. Oh, well. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What are we doing here? Uh, okay, guys, today we talk with Elaine. Holy smokes, I love her. She's amazing. Um, she's coming back. She's Yeah, she has she several stories. stories. She reached out to us and was like, here are all the things. Yeah. And we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Is that enough content, Elaine? <laughs> um, and so we thought we would start off with her story about uh, weight loss surgery in 1983 when it was still Yeah, on, like, like trial, trial phases. Let's get into it. All right. Okay, bye. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning. Well, I guess good morning. It's noon for you. Well, yeah, it is, but I thought I'd just go with the good morning. (laughs) I should say happy Sunday. There you go. How's your day going? happy Sunday. (laughs) How's your day going? It's going well, although once again, the uh, fur kid woke me up at six o'clock. Oh, no. no. Is it the dog or cat variety? Oh, um, it's a dog. It is the Diva Chi, a little chihuahua. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I feel like all chihuahuas are a little bit diva-like. Oh, yeah. Oh, she she's a huge diva. We had her for a year before we could touch her. So. Oh, my oh, wow. go there today. Yeah, that's another story for another time. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Well, we found, well, you can, you reached out to us. We sort of connected because you have a podcast and we love your stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you've lived an incredible life with some really challenging times. And we're so thankful that you, that you were open to being on our show. Well, thank you. I have to say when I saw the, I didn't sign up for that. It just so resonated <laughs> Yeah. With a number of things in my life. And a few different people had said to me, you know, you should reach out to them. I thought, oh, yeah. So I listened to a couple of your podcasts and I thought, yeah, I think I'm in the right place. 
That's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's kind of what we thought about our lives, too. We did not sign up for this, and we knew there's a lot of other people who are in the same boat. And, uh, yeah, and we found so many incredible people who told us incredible stories. So we're very happy that you're here. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, so we talked a little bit a while ago about sort of you have a few stories. So we're actually excited to have you back multiple times mm-hmm. because um, – I think there's a space for each one of your stories. Um, But the one that we talked about was about your weight loss surgery and sort of the Uh, trauma that came from that. Absolutely. This is kind of, it's the pivotal piece of my life that has stitched everything else together. So I think it's a really good place to start. Wow. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and then we'll get into the story. I'm Elaine Lindsay. I live in Canada. I am 65 years of age. Uh, Mentally, I'm like 12. (laughs) Anybody who knows me will tell you that's absolutely true. Um, I, I wear two different hats. I am a digital integration specialist. Uh, And I have a a live stream show and a podcast. So that's the sort of two things that I do. However, I went for weight loss surgery in 1983. Now, everybody knows that's a very long time ago. (laughs) It was very, very new and very experimental. Mm-hmm. How did you hear and, about it? Like, because there wasn't the internet or that seems like, yeah, I don't even know how somebody would hear about that. Well, funny enough, okay, it was on a show. And if I, I, I think I want to say Oprah mm. or something like that, I had seen someone talk about it and, you know, make a long story short because the other pieces come later. I was not heavy uh, until after uh, I turned 20 years old when I had a very horrific car accident, Mm. which left me unable to do what I'd done before and found myself over uh, the span of about six six and a half years putting on an awful lot of weight that it didn't matter what I did. I have tried every diet known to man and, and then some and was not seeing a change and was so unhappy and hating myself. I could not stand the sight of myself. The the internal, what I call the itty bitty shitty committee (laughs) ran the show and spent all day and all night telling me what a damn failure I was, how horrible I was, et cetera, et cetera. So I happened to see this on television and I took it to, of all people, my gynecologist. Oh. I had had a baby in 1982 and was seeing uh, him and said, listen, you know, there's this surgery. Can you get me, you know, an appointment with the specialist? I hear there is one at this hospital. And there was only one in our city. Wow. And sadly, without the internet back then, my due diligence was not what it would be now right uh you you didn't have a lot of options and back then I was a bit of a rebel anyway so you weren't supposed to question doctors or lawyers or police or anybody yeah you know it just they were the authorities they knew better so I got set up with this doctor and I went through I jumped through all his hoops I went through all the psychological testing and all the pieces that you have to do prior to having the surgery. And in getting prepped for it, I realized that it was very controversial, even at the hospital. The nurses and the people in the offices that I had to go to were almost um, disrespectful that I was there. Now, a lot of that is probably my perception, but it comes up after the surgery. Mm-hmm. So in the summer of 1983, I was a manager for a direct sales cosmetics company. 
I had just attained a ludicrous amount of sales, was taken to Las Vegas and uh, had our conference and everything. Came back, I was booked to have my surgery on the 13th of September. I was putting everything in place because I was going to be off for three weeks. Mm -hmm. I was going to have a tube in my side that I would be feeding through during that three weeks. And it meant I had to have someone come in to look after my children. And it meant I would need someone to look after my business. Mm -hmm. I had quite a few people under me. We had just done a a big event um, here in town. And we had lots and lots of of warm leads, as we called them. I was really excited about this because it meant that to me that maybe I would change that internal dialogue and would stop being so vicious to me. Yeah. Sadly, my, my husband, my parents, my sister, my friends, no one wanted me to have this surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it got to the point that I just told them all to shut up and stop harassing me. I made up my mind. I'm doing this. That's what it is. And in the in the lead up that summer, I had to lose 20 pounds in order to do the surgery. And I had done that. I'd gone over five pounds. I'd actually lost 25. Mm. So the whole family was saying, but look, you did this. You did this. Like, and it's like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm set. They, you know, I, all the testing, I passed, everything's great. So I go into the hospital on the 12th and right off the bat, they had a problem because I have, we figured probably the world's second worst veins. I always say everything's second worst because uh-huh. we all know that the, the biggest, best, worst, whatever is in Texas. So we'll just leave that <laughs> They could not get an IV started. They tried everywhere, my legs, my feet, my arms. And in fact, this went back to long before I was heavy. I just don't have great veins. So they had to do what's called a cut down. So they put it, they put a a line into my collarbone. Now here's, here's the the weird part. One in 600,000 people do not have the right spacing between your breastbone and your collarbone. Oh, so guess who? (laughs) It it became a challenge for them to do that. They finally got it going. I wish I had listened to the universe because that was the first little tidbit, a little, a little extra bit of fear. They told me I'd be going down the next morning instead of the neck the day after that so that was also a change okay i was it was explained to me that the tube would be in my side i may have a tube uh, up my nose when i came out of the surgery but they would deal with that quite quickly and they would be getting me up that day and teaching me how to use the tube and that was all great The next morning comes, I go to surgery. I come back from surgery and at the time we didn't really catch on, but it seemed people kept coming in and out of the room. And no one, they weren't really asking me any questions. They were kind of tiptoeing around. This is hindsight from, you know, my family, my husband, my parents and myself down the road. I had this weird little pain in my left, like, shoulder blade, Hmm. which was, it was just a little twitch, and and I thought, okay, that's no big deal. Now, I did mention I'd had a car accident before, and I thought, in order to show my family that I was really serious about this, and, you know, I I was taking it all seriously, I decided, when they let me go at the end of the week, that I would not take any pain meds with me. Oh, my God. I was going to power through. Yeah, because, you know, I had done this to the whole family. Yeah, I'm like a big martyr, you know. (laughs) The day I was leaving, the pain in my shoulder was so intense, I was almost doubled over. 
And it was a young nurse that was um, looking after just me. And she had asked, I thought, I don't know, I must have twitched something or, you know, somebody hit something in surgery because I got this weird pain. The other thing that was going on was I had a fever and they were supposed to do what's called a barium swallow before you leave the hospital so that they could check the work they'd done because they had actually done what's called a vertical banded gastroplasty and they cut two holes, one on either side of my stomach, circles, that should have lined up together because the machine they used, something called a trocar, actually put staples in it. We didn't find out till much later, but whoever held that trocar, and we'll never know who that was, the doctor made three different OR reports and they all said something different. Oh. Whoever held it had it maybe on an angle because there was a big leak. There was a section that was not put together. Like they had one job. <laughs> yeah, one job. You exactly. One job. Exactly. Keep those things lined up. Oh, no. Absolutely. You'd think that would be the first thing. <laughs> well, it gets better because. The doctor, who we learned later really thought he was God, uh. decided that, well, yeah, it's not a big deal. I'll just sew up the little bit that's open and we'll be done with it. He didn't test it. Oh, he no. didn't check to make sure that those stitches were actually closed. Uh. So we have something in our body called omentum. It's all through our abdomen. And they use that to wrap the stomach where they had fixed it. So basically, they made a pouch. Unbeknownst to me, that pouch became a percolator for all kinds of infection because that leak was not closed and continued to drip or whatever a leak does. And this fever that I was spiking as I was leaving should have let them know that there was something wrong. Yeah. The young nurse had written down that I complained of a little bit of pain in my shoulder. But it seems the doctor didn't really look at the pages. He was really thrilled with himself that he was doing this study. Right. We learned later there were 37 people in the study. We also learned he'd killed two oh my before God. me. Oh, no. So I got to go home for 17 hours. Within about four or five hours, I could no longer lie down. A couple hours later, I couldn't sit either. I was trying desperately to not say anything, but was pacing the living room. You have to remember, I have a tube in my side. I'm not allowed to have anything by mouth because that'll mess up what they've done. So I can't even take an aspirin. I can't take a Tylenol. I need something that's going to go in that tube in my side. And the pain got so intense we called the hospital asking, could we come in so that I could get something for pain? Mm -hmm. So my husband took me late that evening into the hospital. We went to emerge, a young doctor checked me out, realized what had happened, said, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna give you a shot and then we'll write you a prescription and your husband can break up the tablets and put them in with your, they use a, a big syringe, it's called a bolus, oh. and that's what you would push into that tube in my side for food and, and what have you. Well, he then says that he gives me the shot and says, okay, you can get dressed, you're good to go. I thought, okay, super. My husband was standing outside the curtain. I was getting dressed. And my husband said, a man came through the emergency. And when I opened the curtain, and met eyes with this man. My husband said his stomach just hit the floor because oh, no. he knew there was something really wrong. This guy looked terrified. Oh. Turns out it was the resident from my surgery. He knew why I was there. Oh, no. He knew what was going on. And the poor guy in Emerge, the young doctor, had no idea. Yeah. Because I just told him I was in pain. I didn't tell him where the pain was. So this resident came in and asked what was going on. He asked me where the pain was. And when I told him, 
all of a sudden there was a flurry of activity. They brought the head of x-ray in. It was now 11 o'clock at night. And they set me up with something called a gastrographin swallow. And they finished that. My poor husband was left to wonder what was going on for hours. Oh. And I guess they got back to him and told him that they were going to have to take me back to surgery. There was a problem. Wow. The resident came into the room and said, you ate something, didn't you? Oh, geez. I thought, what? I said, are you crazy? I've gone against my entire family in order to do this. Why would I do that? Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. But they kept har haranguing me over the next few weeks. Oh, I must have eaten something. I, I almost was beginning oh, no. to believe it myself. Yeah. They were gaslighting you. Oh, absolutely. Wow. That's my, my first uh, history with gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, after the second surgery... Instead of coming down, the fever went up. Oh, jeez. Instead of feeling better, I was feeling worse. I became a bit delirious. And I remember, I don't know, second day, third day after, the resident and two others got my husband to hold me over a table. You know the tables that go across beds in hospitals? Yeah, yeah. They He had to hold me over the table so they could put in a chest tube. It goes in your side. I was unable to breathe, and they had to do it because my lung had collapsed. Oh, oh my God. God. There was so much infection and fluid. Things were breaking down terribly. Oh, my gosh. We didn't know what was happening. I just knew that people kept coming and poking me and sticking things in me. And it was absolutely horrific. And this whole time, in the back of my head, the itty-bitty shitty committee. Sorry, I'm swearing. No, now. that's okay. <laughs> that little group of voices was saying, see, it's yeah. all your fault. You're hurting your family. And now look what you've done. Oh. And it was absolutely terrifying because I'm trying to be strong, but I'm in agony. And the doctor thought it best to keep me highly medicated. Oh. So I couldn't really ask questions because he said I was way too inquisitive. Oh, geez. Another week goes by or through that another four days, I guess, from, from the chest tube. And they take me down to, to the uh, x-ray suite. They do something like the gastrographin. And the next thing is the doctor, the head of x-ray, and another guy stood at my bedside and said, we need you to sign this. You need to have surgery now. Oh, no. But did they explain and why? I just, they didn't tell me. Ugh. Okay, this is the this is the whole thing. They never told us anything. And and this was this just kept going. And of course, my first thing was, what are you talking about? Why do you already did surgery? Yeah. You know what's going on? And the doctor said, just look, you'll be dead before dinner. Just sign here. Oh my God, that's awful. I just, I had had enough. They had poked and prodded and, and hurt me enough. I was in so much pain. It was like, no, please, just go away. Just go away. No, I'm not signing. Yeah. So I got a nurse to bring me a phone. I called my husband first and then my father. And I said, don't sign anything. The doctor's going to try and tell you I need more surgery. I'm telling you, do not do it. Mm. I'll disown you both. Thank God for me, and so you can hear me, <laughs> they didn't listen to me, oh. and they signed the papers because this little gastric leak had blown up through the omentum, oh. and I was now completely septic. Oh, God. I had, like, peritonitis. The infection was running rampant through my abdomen, and they had to get in and clean things out. Now, it gets kind of yucky here because there's no other way to put it. But if you keep cutting somebody open in sort of the same area week after week, 
eventually all that tissue becomes what they call friable. Oh. So, yeah. And that means they can't sew it together. They can't pull it together because when you touch it, it just breaks apart. Oh, God. So in that third surgery, the first thing that we know happened, and this is not from the OR reports because they were all over the place and there were multiples, it seems that my heart stopped. They did get my heart restarted and then I stopped breathing. And I guess at that point, the doctor thought the only thing he could do was cover his own tracks. Oh no. So he took the entire stomach stapling apart. Now here's the interesting piece. We didn't find that out for 11 years. That's crazy. Until we were in court, which is a whole other story. Yeah. But I guess he kind of panicked when I first the heart stopped and then I stopped breathing. And, and when he got me restarted, not only did he think to hide what he'd done, but he called in a thoracic surgeon because he couldn't close me up because everything was so friable. And things were, I mean, it was basically turning into soup. Sorry. He called in a thoracic surgeon. And here's the one piece we'll never, ever understand. He had him cut a hole in my throat, take my esophagus, and divert it out my neck. Now, I think, and we figured out later, the idea was nothing, no saliva, nothing, could get to the stomach to get to any of the friable tissue to try and give it a chance to heal. But saliva is kind of like battery acid. So as it leaked, I, I woke up on the way to ICU after the surgery and somebody was breathing for me because when they put you in surgery and do things like that, you are completely paralyzed. I was so terrified because I could hear what they were saying. I couldn't move. I couldn't open my eyes. And the guy that was pushing the bag to make me breathe was busy talking to someone. And in his laughter, his kind of rhythm got off. Oh, Oh my God. I sure felt it. Again, you had one job. Yeah. (laughs) Again, one friggin' job. One. But here we are. I'm thinking, oh, please, you got to do that. You got it. Okay. Okay. And he gets back to, to doing this. And I think they were aware that I was there because they, like I was awake because I was back. I'd had so many surgeries up until that point from before as well, that I come to after surgery pretty quick. Okay. And it's not a good thing all the time. But they wheeled me to ICU. They put me in a bed, sort of a little on a slant, because they couldn't close my middle. And they had these things that look like... Have either of you ever gone gone for a tanning bed? Yes. Okay, they give you these little glasses things. Yeah. They have a little... Well, it's kind of like that, but bigger. They were strapped across me to hold the packing in. Oh, God. And they had to repack it two to three times a day. Oh, no. To try and get things to heal from the very inside out. Yeah. I wake up and there's a gurgling at my neck, which I just found weird. And I realize there's a tube coming out of my neck and it's attached to something on the wall. And it's gurgling away and bubbling. And there are tubes attached to my abdomen on both sides. There are something they call Jackson Pratt's. They're little drains and they look like hand grenades. And I had a couple of those, one on either side. And I had this one big pouch on my right. I kept him for, oh, a good nine months, I would say. And I got to the point that I called him Hugo. Because you go where I go. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. 
there were so many tubes coming out of me. There weren't enough hookups on the wall. Oh my. And they had to put some of these things on uh, what they call gravity suction, like down on the floor. Yeah. It was it was pretty much a mess. Oh. And I felt so bad for my poor mother who cannot stand the sight of blood for anyone that she loves to have to come in and sit with me and my middle wide open oh, no. because they couldn't even put a sheet over me. Wow. It had to be sterile. The only thing that could be there was the packing and the pieces. And I just felt so bad for my mom, my mm. husband, my father. They were the only people that were allowed in. Wow. I was in ICU for 11 days. Wow. In that time, some of the bubbling at my throat was coming out the little hole. And the saliva was eating my skin. Mm. So I was developing blisters sort of down my chest wall. And everything got really red. And it was not attractive. Not that any of it was, nor that it really mattered at this point, because I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> the whole time in ICU, I was simply this meat suit that they would come and poke needles into and do arterial blood gases without so much as a, oh, this is going to hurt or like, we're just going to take blood from you. Or I was never treated as a human being. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that, that I think broke my spirit the most was the yeah. fact that they weren't seeing me as a person. And a lot of the nurses seem to be so put off by this type of surgery. Mm -hmm. I learned much later what they were put off by was the doctor. Right. He was called Dr. Nick by the nurses because oh. he nicked everything he touched. And all the nurses had notes in their charts that if they were ever brought in unconscious, he was never to touch them. Wow. Wow. When they took me back to a ward you know, 12 days later, I now have a leaking neck that's eating my skin. I have all these other tubes and somewhat like an octopus. And needless to say, I was not the happiest camper. No. no. <laughs> really? I can't imagine. I know. It just seems odd, doesn't it? How <laughs> ungrateful am I? Oh my gosh. They, they kept doing, you know, all their testing and, and all their stuff and they kept coming in and, and, doing rotations, the residents changed. At one point, the residents changed, and I guess the first one took out one of the drains and packed the incision. But he kind of forgot to write it in the chart. That was sometime in late September or early October, and I went home with my side kind of healed. That opened on the 21st of December, when my husband and the nurse that had to come every day got me up to the bathroom. They left me in the bathroom, shut the door. I looked down and my nightie was covered in blood oh. because this thing had burst open. Oh. These are the sort of things that just kept happening. But it's not all doom and gloom. Let's go back to the hospital room. I'm there and like I said, my neck is all red and blistered and ugly and everything else is ugly. And one night after everybody left, all the guests were gone. You know, people would come in to see people at eight o'clock. They had to go. Two nurses came in and they're going, shh, shh, be quiet. It's like, uh, what's going on? Yeah. And they held up a popsicle. Oh. Half a popsicle. I was in heaven. I hadn't had anything by month, or by mouth, sorry, <laughs> by month. I had not had anything by mouth for over a month. Now, I'm feeding through a tube in my side and they're you know, pumping water into me all the time. But trust me, you get ludicrously thirsty when you think you're not getting anything. Yeah. My lips were dry and cracked and bleeding. And I mean, it was it was not pretty. But I, if I put anything in my mouth, it came out my neck. That's so, a nightmare. Just that uh -huh. image. Isn't it? Well, this was only a banana popsicle the first time, so it was kind of okay. <laughs> but the... The nurse, I said, well, what are we doing? She said, it's okay. We got some towels. We'll just put them around your neck because already the popsicle was leaking. 
Well, unfortunately, they started a trend. And every night, it was like, I have to have a popsicle. Have a popsicle. <laughs> and I would get the family to sneak one in. And at night, the nurses would go collect all the towels from the whole floor and bring them into the room so I could have popsicles. Aww. And every morning, they would put this stack of towels outside the room. And sometimes they had splotches of blue and red <laughs> and purple. And I'll, I'll bet the cleaners wondered what on yeah. earth was going on in this room. Oh, that's too funny. Unfortunately, within a couple of weeks, my body betrayed me. Oh. You see, our body tries to heal itself no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. And my neck, my esophagus was trying to reconnect itself oh. just enough so that part of a blue popsicle got down <gasps> my throat. Oh, no. That day, the doctor had come in, and as he walked up to the bed, he had this horrifically self-satisfied smile on his face. Oh, no. And I thought, oh, what's he up to? And he said, aha, you've been eating. Oh, no. Like, I haven't been eating. I've been yeah. sucking on popsicles. Yeah. What do you expect? Okay, we're, we're cutting into two months here. Oh, my gosh. He told me not to be so flippant and rude. He told me a lot not to be rude. Anyway, he ended up sending me to x-ray, and they did some more testing, and they had to check this out. And He was putting this down because I was such a bad patient. And Meanwhile, my whole chest is, like I said, blistered and red. And I said, well, what are you going to do about this? Like, am I supposed to live like this? Yeah. And again, the nurses came to my aid. And two nurses on the morning shift sent off for who's known as the stoma therapist. It's the lady who helps people with colostomies. Oh, yeah. You know, when, when you have bowel problems and there were colostomy bags that you could empty, but it, it went onto your body with a sort of sticky stuff. So it wasn't as horrific as having the saliva leak out onto my neck. But most people don't wear a colostomy bag on their neck. Yeah. 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 They only lasted two to three days. And what it meant at the bottom of the colostomy bag, we had a, a clip, like a big hair clip, you know, they clipped it shut. So the popsicle stuff would end up in the bag. Sorry, I know kind of gross. <laughs> but it meant that we weren't going through so many towels. Right. And the nasty doctor couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Oh, wow. The only problem with that, I finally got to go home in the third month for a little bit. And of course, the colostomy bag went with me. Uh -huh. Hugo went too. <laughs> Hugo was less of a pain. <laughs> and colostomy bags, you know, Christmas was coming up. And oh, my parents, my father on Christmas Day, I got to actually sit at the table with the family. And I had my, my bolus of onsure ensure however you call that yeah. that was what I was getting and my mother and father said no no we'll put together some turkey and blend it with some gravy oh, <laughs> it's no. like, oh mom that's disgusting <laughs> I said I'm not gonna make everybody at the table sick that's just horrible anyway I guess in the back of my head she'd given me an idea I'll come to that in a minute mm. the whole thing about the colostomy bag it was kind of clear plastic, had this big, ugly white clip at the bottom and this big wad of gummy stuff at the top. So absolutely horrific to try and accessorize, <laughs> which meant I was left at the Christmas dining table in my nightie with my big bag on my neck and Hugo hanging at my side. But I was starting to close up in the middle, so it was a little less yuck. I kept that colostomy bag set up for another couple of months. And in late February, I went in so that they could put my neck back together. Unfortunately, the thoracic surgeon that he called in, nice enough man, had a bit of a drinking issue. Oh, God. Which meant DTs really bad. When he put my neck back together, it wasn't quite where it was supposed to be. Oh, my God. So I now have a, a really odd pouch I guess inside sort of like a, a turkey waddle but it's on the inside 
The only problem with that is if I have rice or water or anything that can get stuck, I start to whoop like a crane. It's really loud. It's really annoying. And it freaks people out really bad. <laughs> oh, no. But you know what? All this time later, we learn to live with it. We learn to make fun of it and just deal with it. Because when he put my neck back together, this little hole that was maybe the size of my pinky is now a seven and a half inch gash down my neck. Oh my gosh. The rest of the scars start three and a half inches below that. Wow. So for many, many years, I told people, you know, my body looks like a map of the back roads of Idaho. (laughs) Don't know why I used Idaho, because it's one state I haven't been to. But for me, I think maybe through all this, you'll you get the point that I always try to find the funny. Yes. Because if you just sit there and start crying, I know, God help me, I will never stop. Yeah. So it just made much more sense to live. Yeah. To do what I could. It meant an awful lot of continuous surgeries, living on Ensure for almost 15 years because I couldn't eat anything. Like literally you couldn't eat anything. No, because they had to keep going in with these, they, they looked like iron footballs to me and they would stretch out my throat and they would do it every few weeks. And that went on for a couple of years, trying to stretch the throat back big enough. By the time I could eat in early 1985, Around Christmas 84, my friend got me chicken nuggets. It took an hour and a half to eat almost one. And by then I was just fed up. Yeah. (laughs) Why bother? One last thing I'll say, because like I said, I see the funny in these things. When I got home, I, I dropped a ton of weight. I was very, very thin. And in early summer of 1984... A girlfriend wanted me to come visit. She had always come over, but she wanted me to to take an outing. Mm. And by then we had a a housekeeper that looked after the kids and a nurse that looked after all my bits and pieces that still hung out of me. And the tube in my side that I fed through, which was still there, it had a bad habit of, well, disattaching itself. The end is what they call a stopcock because it's got a little lock on it. And sometimes that would just fall out. So let me set the scene. (laughs) I'm excited. It's three weeks. I'm going to my friend's house and her new boyfriend is coming to pick me up in his little Mercedes sports car. Oh, no. I'd never met him, but she was excited for me to meet him and come to her house and I was excited for her to see the new less me yeah so I got dressed up in what back then I thought was a beautiful French vanilla boucle dress a sort of a a very gentle knit it was kind of a-line form-fitting you know a bit hugging and showed off the fact that I now had a figure I thought it was pretty cool (laughs) Ralph came to the door escorted me to the car, sat me down. We chatted on the way there, and I had put a light coat over my dress so I could do a ta-da moment with my friend. The coat was beige on the outside, too. As I got out of the car, I was starting to unzip my coat. So I don't know if it happened in the car or it happened when I unzipped it, but when I got to the door, my friend Lois opened the door, and I wanted to see this look of thrill on her face. I whipped open my coat, and when I looked, she looked like she was going to vomit. Oh, no. She looked absolutely terrified. I looked down, and from the waist down, I'm covered in bile. Oh, God, no. The stopcock was on the road. (gasps) Ralph got it for me. Like I said, I'm not sure if it fell out in the car, but I am sure there was a lot of bile in his car. Oh, no. So I don't think he ever really liked me much. <laughs> oh, God. They're no longer together, which is awesome. Okay, good. <laughs> she deserved better. <laughs> but that, oh. that ta-da moment, 
has made me so terrified to ever do that for anything. Yeah. Since then, because you never know what may have fallen apart. Oh, oh my no. God. Anyway, wow. the, the stopcock, it's called a, a, a J-tube. The stopcock and the J-tube itself, about a month and a half after a year had gone by, it had once again fallen out. I went into emergency, and the head of emergency said, you know what? I just can't do this anymore. Your side is so infected. Okay, this pain has got to be driving you crazy. We're taking this thing out, period. That's how I ended up living on Ensure for as long as I did. Wow. And thank God he did because it unfortunately has left me with massive scar tissue uh, inside. And uh, as I joked with you when I came on the show, you know, when, when I say I'm having a crappy day, that is not a euphemism. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but it, it's not all bad. I'm here. I'm living life. I have a beautiful family. I have two kids. I have five grandchildren. Wow. I am, I believe, incredibly lucky. I have a gratitude attitude. Mm-hmm. And something that you have to work on no matter what happens in your life. Mm-hmm. What Thank do you, you think when, what do you think about weight loss surgery today? Like it's so popular and obviously very different, hopefully very different, but do you see shows yeah. like my 600 pound life or yeah. Like, what do you think about that? It, it breaks my heart because here's the, the thing I didn't say. When you have weight loss surgery like that, something that is now a consistent thing in my life I have malabsorption. I can't take enough vitamins. Because of all the damage inside my stomach, I don't process water the way most people do. Oh. It doesn't I if I drink enough water too quickly, the kids think it's hilarious because if I jump up and down, it sloshes. <laughs> oh wow. It's not supposed to do that. People with weight loss surgery have these problems, mm-hmm. vitamin deficiencies. You it can end up with osteoporosis. You can end up with diabetes. I have them both. I'm an insulin-dependent diabetic. Wow. All of these things, and very often, what they don't tell people, if you don't get your head right, they can cut out as much as they want. You're going to put that weight back on because you don't think you're worth it. Yeah. Wow. I know you talked about this whole thing going to court, and it was quite a few years later. It was. It was 11 years later because here in Canada, back then, you couldn't have a jury. I could only have a judge. Okay. And doctors in Canada would not testify against other doctors until about a year before we went to court. The two doctors who were trying to help me live somewhat of a normal life and maybe be able to eat, etc., they called the lawyers and said, we'll testify. This can't go on. And was this a suit with yourself and others, other victims, or was it just yourself? No, no, this was just us. Okay. Uh, The unfortunate thing, you know, we were told by a detective in a police force. He gave my husband the name of the judge we had because he said he was the easiest one to be bought. Oh, wow. And when we lost... Okay, the judge found half a million in damages back then, but just couldn't pin it on the doctor. Oh, jeez. However, when we were go- we were told we should appeal, and I was taken to the office of the head of my law firm and the other lawyers, and they threatened to take my father's house. Oh. Because in Canada, the Family Law Act back then meant the whole family had to be involved. And there was no way I was going to do that to my parents. Yeah. So, and and this one, this one will be good for you. 15 minutes after we walked out of the courtroom, which was six months before the judge gave his ruling, the head of our law firm handed me a bill for $768,429.29. And in my, yeah, and in my usual bent attitude, (laughs) I said, are you kidding me? This amount? And you couldn't knock off the 29 cents. <laughs> uh, to this day, I, I just, that just boggles my mind. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh my gosh. And we needless to say, we did not pay that full amount. Uh, the law, the lawyer for the law firm is uh, now a superior court judge elsewhere. Wow. And, and not, not to sound jaded, but live and learn all of that to say this. I didn't think I was worth it. I didn't think I deserved anything because I had put my family through that. And I believe the universe listens to what it is we say and think and how we speak about ourselves. And had this happened today, it would be a different, it would be a different thing totally. But I'm in a different place where I've actually learned to like me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's some incredible growth and just so many obstacles along the way. So maybe can you talk a little bit about your podcast and what you do on it? Absolutely. And and this will tie in a little bit. When I was 16, I lost a dear friend to suicide. The reason I was able to get through all of this surgery and everything else and come out the other side, the reason I'm not dead, is because she gave me a gift. And that's the gift of having to stay behind when someone leaves. Mm. And living through that made me think twice before I took my own life. Mm -hmm. So what I've done, I have a podcast called Suicide Zen Forgiveness. It ties together a lot of my stories, but the unifying thread is the fact that I am still here because of the gift Andrea gave me. And I know that sharing your story allows people to put down a little of their burden and may help someone else decide not today. Yeah. yeah. I want people to choose life, to keep breathing, and to try and develop a gratitude attitude no matter what happens, because there's always something you can be grateful for. That's incredible. Wow. That's such important work that you're doing. Thank you. Can people find your podcast on all of the platforms? Absolutely. That's great. Well, we'll post a link to it um, in our show notes, and then we'll tag you as well, like on social media, so people can find Thank it. Because I think, yeah, I think it's something that needs to be talked about more and there's so much people can learn wow well thank you so much we've had such a wonderful time chatting with you well thank you both of you and uh it's really been wonderful being on your podcast i look forward to talking with you again yeah absolutely have a great day and we will talk to you soon great awesome bye (laughs) bye bye hey michelle hello listening to this episode makes me wonder if mini bernie herney is just sympathy pains. Maybe it is. Because it did start after we interviewed her. There we go. You're fine. So. Get over it. Yeah. All right, Minnie Bernie Herney. <laughs> no need to carry on. <laughs> you may leave. Yeah. Uh, Crazy that, story. I could not drink Ensure for 15 years. Like, I There can't are not enough varieties of flavor. No, there's like two. And like I, we don't know what Insure was like in 1983. No, no. I guess now you've got like Muscle Milk, Protein, prim, Premier Protein, Slim Fast, Slim. Oh God, you know what? I loved a good Slim Fast yeah. drink in the mornings. Yeah. I remember being early 20s. I just bought my condo, and I would start <laughs> off every day with a cup of milk and a scoop of Slim Fast. Oh my goodness. And if you look at the ingredient, like it was just sugar. <laughs> and protein might as well have eaten a chocolate bar for breakfast yeah it, and i was like i'm doing the right thing for my body yeah, and like, no replacement yeah oh man and i know it's interesting because like weight loss surgery today is mm-hmm. so different and they have so many different types of options absolutely there's a whole tv show based around it yeah. so it's interesting to see how far Where, it's come. Oh. We almost need to have julie from the resting bitch face pod yeah on the show because she just celebrated her one year vsg like stuff it's like a sleeve yes i was trying to on my way here i was thinking about it actually and i was trying to think of what it stands for because the s i thought was sleeve and the g would be gastro but yeah sleeve gastro i don't know anyway um she's been posting a ton of information on it absolutely and her experience is very different much different from a she does not have a bag on her neck (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) So, one. <laughs> yeah, number one, firstly. But yeah. yeah, we're going to have Elaine back because she's got some really incredible stories of things that she's... She has lived a life. Yeah. And she's so funny. Yeah. And the way that she handles 
all the stuff that has happened to her is just incredible and I feel a little bit like her like with the sarcasm and the humor that's yeah. how and you too that's how we get through all of she's our she's our kind she is definitely yeah so cool. Elaine thank you thank you thank you we'll thank post you. links to your podcast um, both on our social media and in the show notes mm-hmm. and yeah that's it and you can find us on Instagram Facebook TikTok, TikTok Patreon um, all the all the places I did not sign up for this yeah and we'd really like you to sign up for these things. Please sign up for it. Please follow us. Please please like us. Please like us. And, and don't forget to pre-order your notebooks. Yeah, check it out. If you don't know what they look like, uh, we've got some videos on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook probably. Yep. So if you want to see what they look like and for some reason you don't want to go look on Etsy, <laughs> you can look on any of our other If you want to be a weirdo. <laughs> I will not judge you. <laughs> Uh, All right, guys, have a really great week, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.